The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Scott Chu. Yo, everybody. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. Today is September 1st. My name is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. Let's talk about some baseball injuries and transactions. Shane McClanahan had an MRI yesterday, and the results seemed pretty good. He was diagnosed with a shoulder impingement, also known as swimmer shoulder. McClanahan's slated to get a cortisone injection soon, and some folks with this injury can return to activity within two to four weeks, though I'd be surprised if he makes more than a start or two in the regular season, with the Rays looking like they'll comfortably make the playoffs. Ozzie Albies begins a AAA rehab assignment today, so hopefully he's back pretty soon. Welcome back to the major Spencer Torkelson. He's looked much better in August over in AAA with a 17.2% walk rate and a fairly reasonable 25% strikeout rate, plus a 123 WRC+. Those aren't world breakers or world-breaking numbers or anything for Torkelson, but hopefully we can get a glimpse at a guy who was one of the best college hitters in recent memory. Miguel Vargas of the Dodgers, who had a nice run earlier this season, has also been recalled from AAA. Wilson Contreras, who's dealing with an ankle issue, had a clean x-ray and MRI today, so he's still just day-to-day at the moment. Clayton Kershaw will be activated and take the ball today against the Mets for the Dodgers. Expect Kershaw to go about 80 to 85 pitches or so, though this is a tough matchup for a guy coming off injury. Tyler Molly is lined up to be activated and start this Saturday against the White Sox, so that's something to look forward to. Lewis Robert remains day-to-day with a wrist injury. He did not play on Wednesday. Bud Black of the Rockies informed us that the Rockies will not be updating us on Chris Bryant for at least 7 to 10 more days, and it looks more and more like Bryant may only play for about two weeks this season or less. Keep him on your IL if you can, but if you can't, you can probably consider cutting Chris Bryant based on what's in your waiver wire in shallow formats. In deeper leagues, you may be slightly interested to know that Michael Pineda looks like he's going to come off the IL and get the start Saturday against the Royals, though if you're in a 10 or 12 teamer, you should absolutely ignore that news. Pineda has not looked good enough to be valuable in those leagues. Jordan Alvarez, who struggled lately and is having a problem with his hand, says that he will 100% be available on Friday. That doesn't necessarily mean his health is 100%, but he will play on Friday after sitting out on Wednesday. Sal Perez was also held out on Wednesday with back tightness. Hopefully he's back in the lineup soon. John Birdie was removed from him 
his game yesterday with hip tightness and should be considered day-to-day. -day. He had a nice little game, and I'll talk about that in a bit, but uh, he definitely is someone to keep an eye on. Brett Batty's rookie season is going to end with surgery to repair a torn ligament in his thumb. That's a tough break for a very promising young Mets player. Ramon Laureano starts a rehab assignment today in single A, so hopefully he's back up soon. Bailey Falter was pulled from his start against Arizona with a groin injury. We'll look for updates on that. Zach Wheeler looks to be lining up for a Tuesday start against the Marlins next week. That's really nice because the Marlins have been one of the worst offenses in baseball lately, so that could be a really nice start for Wheeler to come back. Brandon Lau, who's been really frustrating for fantasy owners, hit the IL with a deep bruise on his tricep. If nothing else, that makes it easier to roster him because you can either cut him or put him on your IL. Either way, I think that's the right move. Matt Boyd is also going to be activated from the IL today, but I should note that he is not getting the start. He's going to be moving into a relief role, and he gets the, he actually gets activated against his former team, the Tigers. And then finally, the mustachio Daniel Mangden gets the start today against the White Sox for the Royals. It's not of much fantasy relevance, but you should note that Daniel Mangden might have the best mustache in baseball. So if you want to know what that looks like, go ahead and look up Daniel Mangden. I'm a big fan of that mustache, even if his body of work in the major leagues has not been overly exciting. And now for the hitting action from yesterday, let's start with Xander Bogertz. He went two for four with a double, a home run, five RBI, a walk, and a stolen base. Just a monster game for him. This performance gives Bogertz four consecutive multi-hit games, and he's got, also got multiple hits in six of his last seven. Power's been noticeably absent from the veteran shortstop's numbers this season, but three home runs and in the last 10 days for Xander gives us hope that this power outage from him is behind us and that he can be the Xander we know and love going forward. Brandon Marsh of the Phillies, he went three for six with a triple, two runs scored and three RBI. And after being activated off the IL a few days ago, Marsh has really taken advantage of Diamond's back pitching with six, going six for 13 with a triple, a home run and 10 combined runs in RBI. Marsh isn't really taking any walks and he's hitting from the bottom of the Phillies order, but there's enough to justify him as a fifth outfielder in the right matchups thanks to his blend of power and speed. Lars Newbar of the Cardinals can't stop talking about this guy. He went one for one with a home run, two RBI, two walks, and a stolen base. The everyday leadoff man for the Cardinals has been fantastic in August, finishing the month with a 19% walk rate, a 14% strikeout rate, five home runs, and three steals on top of a 284. 421, 558 line. New bar is just a must roster in all formats right now as he continues to pile up stats across the board. Reese Hoskins of the Phillies, he went three for six with two doubles, two runs scored, an RBI, and a walk. Hoskins seems to be pulling himself out of a slump that plagued him earlier this month with 10 hits, six runs, and six RBI over his last seven outings. John Birdie, who I mentioned earlier, he went two for four with a combo meal, the home run and stolen base. As I mentioned earlier, he was removed from the game with a hip issue, but not before he put up this combo meal. I wish I was more excited about Birdie right now, but the injury, plus a fairly daunting schedule over the next few series, on a team that struggled to hit at all over the last few weeks, really put some cold water on Birdie's outlook. Bryce Harper went 3-4 for four with two runs scored, an RBI, and two walks, and Simply put, a healthy Harper is an elite Harper, so this has been great to see. Eugenio Suarez of the Mariners, he went two for four with a home run and two RBI. Uh, a former Tiger actually at one point, at one point traded for Alfredo Simone, which continues to bite uh, the Tigers every time I think about it. The strikeouts are always going to bug you with Suarez, but six home runs over his last 12 games should take some of the sting off those strikeouts. He's all but certain to once again clear 30 home runs, something Suarez has done in each of the last three full seasons, though he hit 15 in the 60 games in 2020 
and he probably would have cleared 30 that season as well. Shohei Otani went one for four with a home run and three RBI, and that gives him back-to-back 30 home run seasons because Otani's just the greatest, and that's something people are going to have to accept. Alejandro Kirk of the Blue Jays, he went one for four with a home run and three RBI. This was Kirk's first home run since July 26th, and his first three RBI game since June 26th. The power has basically been out for over a month, and while I understand if you want to hold on to Kirk due to the upside, those in 10-team single-catcher leagues should probably already be moving on to streaming catchers like even Travis Darno because of the good matchups he's seeing recently uh, or something else if the matchups are better because Kirk simply hasn't been the kind of guy you want. Alec Bohm of the Phillies went two for six with three runs scored, an RBI and a walk. Bohm's really morphed into this high contact, low power bat, but when he's hot, he is viable in all formats. And over his last 10 games, he's hitting 349. So definitely a ratios guy you want to keep your eye on. JD Martinez of the Red Sox went two for five with a home run. And after going a month and a half without a home run, he now has two in his last four games. I just dropped him considerably on the hitter list due to the lack of production. But JD is finally starting to show signs of life over the last two weeks in terms of just getting balls in play or over the fence. Keston Hira of the Brewers went two for five with a double, two runs scored in an RBI. And perhaps we should think of Hira as a Eugenio Suarez light. He strikes out a ton, but he's hitting 281 with four home runs and 15 combined runs in RBI over his last nine games while hitting in the middle of that Brewers lineup. The Brew crew has a super soft schedule on the horizon, including a trip to Coors next week, so he's as good as power streamer as anybody. And Trevor Story of the Red Sox went three for five with a double and stolen base. This is already Story's second three-hit game and second stolen base since returning to the lineup on the 27th, so about four games. So we should be, we might be looking at the start of another story hot streak. If you remember earlier this season, he was the hottest guy on the planet for about two or three weeks. If you've been hesitant to get story back in your lineups due to some of the struggles he's had, you need to get him in there right now. Starting pitching performances from yesterday, Kyle Wright of the, of Atlanta, he went against the road Rockies. He got the win on seven innings pitch, no earned runs, five hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. Everything continues to click for Wright. Finally, it was a long, long journey from being a top 30 prospect to an afterthought, and then finally to an ace, but here we are. Lance Lynn of the White Sox went against the Royals and dominated. He got the win on seven innings pitched, one earned run, four hits, no walks, and eight strikeouts. It's all coming together again for Lynn, just in time to take advantage of a rather soft schedule as the White Sox have the rest of the way. In the near future, Lance... Lynn gets his next two starts on the West Coast, first against the Mariners, who are a little tough, and then against the A's, who are decidedly not tough. Freddie Peralta of the Brewers went against the Pirates. He got a no decision on five innings pitch, one earned run, two hits, no walks, only three strikeouts, though, 74 pitches. This is a decent line. We all knew the floor would be high against these Pirates, but the command for Freddie Peralta is still just not there, and it makes him tough to trust in tougher matchups, like his trip to Coors that's up next week. Tyler Anderson of the Dodgers went against the Mets, and the Magic continued. He got the loss, but he had seven innings pitch, two earned runs, eight hits, no walks, three strikeouts, and just honestly, don't think too hard about it because Anderson's season doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It does make sense to start Anderson next week, though, uh, against a beaten-up Giants team that he should be able to take advantage of. Patrick Sandoval, the Angels, went against the Yankees and got a surprise win here on seven innings pitch, two earned runs, three hits, two walks, and seven strikeouts, only 82 pitches to get through those seven innings. It was an excellent, efficient start against the Yankees team that can still punish pitchers at times. Sandoval gets the Tigers next, who he absolutely dominated a few weeks ago, so get excited about that. Christian Javier of the Astros went against the Rangers. He got the win on five innings pitch, three earned runs, four hits, three walks, seven strikeouts, uh, and 96 pitches. So not so efficient, not a perfect start, uh, and definitely not maybe the whip you were quite hoping for. But Javier gets a rematch in Houston next week, and his fastball is still just a really nasty pitch that's hard to hit. So I kind of like him anytime he's got to start. 
especially against a team like Texas, who, while they've been hot lately, isn't overly overpowering. Joe Musgrove of the Padres went against the Giants. He got the win on 6.2 innings pitch, three earned runs, three hits, two walks, and 11 strikeouts. He is firing on all cylinders right now. The slider looks great, and he gets the Diamondbacks next, so that should be a great start for him. Anibal Sanchez did some weird stuff. He, for the Nats, he went against Oakland, got the win on seven innings pitched, one earned run, three hits, three walks, and four strikeouts, 95 pitches. But honestly, Anibal got away with a lot of stuff that he probably shouldn't have. And had it been against even a mediocre offense, Anibal likely would have had a worse line. He gets the Cardinals next who are the hottest offense in baseball. So absolutely no thank you. He should go back to the wire if you picked him up for this one. Jose Quintana of the Cardinals went against the Reds. He got a no decision on 4.2 innings pitch, two earned runs, seven hits, one walk, one strikeout. On the bright side, though, Quintana gets the Nats next and should be at least good for a win as those Cardinals take on the previously mentioned Anibal Sanchez. So you can keep him there for the win, but maybe the rest of the stuff isn't quite so magical as it was earlier this season. And then, of course, Jacob deGrom went against the Dodgers. He got the win, seven innings pitch, one earned run, three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts, because there is no bad matchup for Jacob deGrom. He should be started every single time. That's an easy one. And then Garrett Cole had a decent start. He got the loss against the Angels, but he still went seven innings pitch with two earned runs, six hits, one walk, four strikeouts. And look, the strikeouts weren't really there, but who cares? At least it was a good whip and ERA from a guy who struggled a bit this season. Although I say struggle, he still got a 3.23 ERA. So this is still a high level pitcher. It's just been a little less consistent. And this is a pretty decent start, all things considered. On the relief pitching side, each of the last three saves for Boston have gone to a different guy. And this time it was Matt Barnes. But quite frankly, this team is not good enough to support a three-man closer committee for fantasy purposes. So you can probably look elsewhere in 10 or 12 team leagues like Jimmy Herget, who got his third save of the week and the low arm slots Slinger's locked in as the Angels' closer. He's worth adding everywhere. I like watching him pitch because I like guys with weird deliveries, and he's got one. And also because he's locked in as a closer for a team that can win some games. I've also got no idea why Rowan Wick is still in the closer mix for the Cubs, but he picked up the save yesterday. I prefer Brandon Hughes if you have to pick one, but I'd also remind you that in 10 or 12 teamers, you probably don't have to pick one and should really be focusing on more sure things like a Jimmy Herget. And then Josh Hader got himself a save, and good for him. You know, it's only his, it's his only August save so far, and you know, he's tough for anyone in a playoff situation to hold on to, but at least it's some positive news for Josh Haters, who's having just a really rough summer, both personally and professional. Before we look at the action for tomorrow, or I'm sorry, for today, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show and we are back, and as we look at today's action, we will start with Mark with the weather. Mark, take it away. Thank you very much. Well, on a light Thursday schedule, there is no weather problem. So I haven't felt altogether that valuable the last few days, but that's okay. I'd rather have some great weather than uh, have some bad news in terms of games getting postponed this time of year. So go ahead, play everyone, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you very much.
Thank you, Mark. As always, we appreciate it. As we look for some streamers today on the starting pitching side, we've got Kyle Bradish, who's probably my pick of the day. He was awesome last week, used his slider well. The fastball isn't great, but he goes against the Guardians, who are hitting just 215 and slugging 327 as a team over the last two weeks, which gives me hope that Bradish can rely on that Orioles magic and come away with a solid streaming start here. And then Rich Hill is coming off a masterful 11 strikeout performance and draws the Rangers, who may not seem that scary, but have been noticeably better of late. Uh, at least the Rangers too hot hitters, Nate Lowe and Corey Seager, are left-handed, which gives the wily veteran Rich Hill a chance to succeed there as long as he can navigate those two hitters. And then on the hitting side, Atlanta draws Chad Cool, who's given up at least five hits and three earned runs in each of his last seven starts, while never striking out more than four. Even guys like Eddie Rosario and Robbie Grossman at the bottom of the Atlanta lineup are in play if available and you really need a hitter or in DFS. And then Glad Otto of the Rangers is an ideal streaming target to go against thanks to his four points. 7-9 ERA, low strikeout totals, and high walk totals. The Red Sox should benefit from the easy assignment here, and it looks like an ideal matchup for a guy like lefty slugger Franchi Cordero, who has four home runs in his last eight games. I think he could definitely take Glenn Otto deep, and with that, I thank you so much for listening to the First Pitch Podcast. My name, of course, is Scott Chu. You can find me on Twitter at IfTheChewFits. Please check out the site. We've got other SP streaming options. We've got uh, the batter's box. We've got the SP roundup. We've got the reliever ranks. We've got everything you need to win your fantasy baseball league, and now is the time to do it. Instead of rambling on further, I'm going to go ahead and just let you get a chance to win those fantasy baseball leagues. Have a great rest of your day. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.